Welcome to episode 170 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. I'm Jay Duke. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenhower. And we're bringing you a roundtable discussion, looking at the season just passed for Vancouver Whitecaps. But don't don't switch off. It's not going to be all doom and gloom and depressing. Most, most of be? it will be. How can it not be? We'll try and make it as entertaining uh, as possible for you. So make it quick. Yeah. Like a band-aid. Before we do too much... Shot to the back of the head the instead year, of the, to the chest. The year was shit. Move on. Next one. <laughs> Pretty much. Next podcast. I was going to say, can you sum up your feelings on this season? So I think that kind of does it. I just did right there. Like, looking back, what's your overriding thoughts of this season now that we're six to eight weeks kind of after this season came to a conclusion? I want to get in here before Zach because I know he's going to talk about how how meaningful that that we won some hardware and that that was that's so important and like any uh, like any person who's a true fan of the Whitecaps I love to see Portland and Seattle especially their fans uh, cry and whine and go home sad so the fact that we were able to win the Cascadia Cup was was great but I, I looking back now at this last season, it's I almost forget about the fact that we won the Cascadia Cup because everything else was so bad that even a Cascade like a winning and the, and the thing is the Cascadia trophy, that wasn't the last game of the year. It should have left you with a good feeling, right? But it does I know it. It was like I was almost happy that we eliminated Portland from the playoffs. That was in the last more, yeah, game. Yeah. Uh, and I I know that's bad because I'm supposed to be one of the guys who's supporting this. You know the 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 Whitecaps, this culture between the the Cascadia teams and and you know that, but I almost didn't care because the rest of the season was so bad that it was like yeah I guess we won some you know some other trophy but man it was it it was it was that bad of a season start to finish that there was that there's really hard to grab onto anything. No, I, it's it's just a to sum it up, it's just a forgettable season. It's like. Everything, everybody seemed to be going in slow motion, and it just never seemed to want to end. I, I, that, that's a, the perfect way I think to describe it is that they were. It, it was like a car stuck in mud. Yeah. Like it, they kept. They were moving the forward, wheels. but spinning just wheels. yeah, couldn't couldn't. Which catch a lot of people are spinning their wheels in this winter. Right. <laughs> Zach, 
feeling. Let me get comfortable. Okay, Zach. Should we, should we all leave? And let you... <laughs> no, I, it was an extremely difficult season. And I think the the biggest thing that stands out for me is how poor we were at home. I think oh. when you have uh, six wins, five draws, and... Or sorry, five losses and six draws at home. Like, that's just not good enough. And uh, I think that's... That's where you fail to make the playoffs. That's where you fail to do what you want to do in a season. And that's that's where things have to change. You look at our road record, there's only one team in our conference who had more away wins than us. You look at the league, there's only three teams who had more away wins than us. That's really I, bizarre, too. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to actually put your finger on why if, that if, if they were able to like just figure out the road, or the, sorry, the home games, like you said, and get that one extra goal here and there, they could have turned some draws into point uh, wins and some losses into draws. It's just it was just that fine. I I know we're saying forgettable season, a horrible season, but it, they were very close if they had got, had some things go their way to get well, turning he, it around and get some more points. Uh, starting off, I, I mean, I think it's a good it's good to start way back in the beginning. I don't necessarily blame Robinson for how the the team started out. In that it was clear that coming off the heels of last year, we 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 were found out to be so one dimensional, and we were this fast hit you hard up the wings on the counter. Yeah. And he didn't want to be just that club again. He wanted to be able to possess the ball to counterattack when 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 it was on, but when it wasn't, he wanted to be able to possess the ball, play build up, play. And he, he was clearly trying to change the team into that kind of mold. He played Pedro Morales, started him deeper, uh, bringing in a guy like Bolaños, who is not a speed threat, but more of a creative player. Kudo, even, he is not a, a speed merchant. He, you know, clearly their goal was to, to try and change the identity of how they play soccer. And it, 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 it did, it, it would, there was going to be an early period where we were going to struggle. So starting off the season with all, I mean, two wins right out of the, two losses right out of the gate. Um, I, I kind of expected that there might be some growing pains. But there was there was some hope too because if you look at the preseason, they won five of their six games, and and, and the only loss was to Chicago, and that was a like a fluky loss they had there where things were going the wrong way. But yeah, you're right. Two losses to start off, at, at, one at home to Montreal, and that was a lot to do with the right back spot. Um, the, that game, and then and then the goal on the road to lose Kansas City that was acceptable. But they came back to Seattle, beat Seattle, beat Houston. You thinking maybe they ha- maybe those first two games were a blip and they had something going on? Uh, the game, I, I think, if you look back at the the, the, the matches at home, uh, I think there are those within the, within the, the squad that would say, yeah, there are three or four games we look back on, and had they had we not have the errors we had in those games. We we would have been in the we would have been in the playoffs mm-hmm. and maybe at least be, given a competition yeah a push oh, oh and or things could have been vastly different Montreal is a prime example yeah you, okay yeah Fraser aired holding up his hand saying yeah the first goal I wasn't good enough D- David Osted I think it was the second goal yeah which, yeah it was the second goal was but the build up again a, was from the right side I think if I'm not mistaken yeah but that was a huge a huge yeah, error yeah. and I love David Osted yeah. don't get me wrong but I I don't think that's uh I think that's a game he would like to play over. And you had that over, kind of over and over and over again. It was clear that um, a lot of the the players that that made twenty fifteen a, a positive year, um, at least the, the regular season portion, 
their failures to start the season well, well yeah. um, really, really critically hampered the club th- throughout the rest of the season. Yeah. Laba was a shell of himself. Waston was a disaster at the beginning of the year. Discipline was a big issue. Discipline. For a big first few months. Yeah. Um, so, so Morales, I, I know Michael pointed out his numbers actually weren't that, that terrible, but didn't exactly start the, the season wonderfully. Uh, Rivero, we were hoping he would catch on, and if he didn't catch on, he'd leave, which is exactly what happened. Yeah. That's, that's the main reason why we had such a terrible start to the, to the year. I mean, if you look at the season, you look at it pre-Voyager's Cup and, and post-Voyager's Cup, and we'll come to, to that whole thing in a, in a sec, but to start it so slowly, just the way that they had played last year, confidence was high, but they did kind of struggle towards the end of last season. Then you come into this season, but a great pre-season, as you've said, and everyone was tipping the, the, them to do well. And I don't know whether you can look back now, and hindsight's always great, but was 2015 the blip and 2016 is the normal? So it was like 2015 an anomaly and 2016's really what this Whitecaps team is. I, I really think that this was... Robinson was trying to change the way that they played football and everything fell apart. The players that he needed to keep playing the way that they were, like Lava and Waston, disintegrated. And the players who came in didn't fit in well right away. Like, Bolaños struggled at at the beginning to kind of get into things. Both of his right backs completely, you know, fell apart at the beginning of of the year. Even though I actually think that we should have, would have, could have kept on to Aird. Yeah, I would would have stuck with Aird. Yeah, I think he would still be a good project. But, um... they were clearly trying to change something, and and it's like almost everything he did fell apart. And and in the end, Robinson has to take the blame for that. He he does. He has to be the one who says, "Yeah, I tried all this. It didn't work." But there were a lot of individual players uh, who either didn't come in and do what they were advertised to do. Like like I know Kudo had an injury pretty quick, but Kudo's never really filled out to being what we would hope he would be. You know, Bolanos towards the end of the year got a lot better but early on sure didn't so um you know it was it was it's tough to gain traction yeah. when you're doing that and if you look at the the off-season moves that that were made with the existing players extended contracts for the whole defensive spine Usted, Waston, Laba all got extensions Teixeira got signed to a proper deal when you saw those guys getting signed you you were like great this is fantastic and you thought... Some consistency. Yeah, some consistency, some really good players. And I know from speaking to Robbo over the course of the season, it's been infuriating for him that you give these guys big contracts and then they just don't perform. Was it that they were maybe a bit too complacent because they've got an extended deal? Or was it just that they were found out or people knew how to play against them? I'd find it hard to believe that that many people all became complacent. I think this is a bigger issue than, you know, three or four players um, resting on their laurels once they get big contracts. Um, but the problem is it was your best players that were doing that. So that you, the players you really needed to elevate yeah. everybody okay, well, else. Because Laba Waston and to an extent Usted all stunk. Yeah. But have have any of those three players in their history with us or history before that? In the case of Lava, where you've followed them, have they in, have they shown to you indicated that they're you know they're just in it for a contract? Are, are they? No. 
Tachera, it's a little easier to point a finger at him and say, yeah. look, he came back and he came to the club fat, lazy, out of shape, didn't really seem to want to work too hard. Had a great year last year, got a fat contract, and now he's now he's resting. That's, that's the other guys, the the other players have a track record of being uh, positive contributors, working hard, good locker room guys. All all of those guys have been. So it, it's it. I think that's it's too easy to blame them and not say that there is more going on. Yeah. If you look at the the stats, you're automatically drawn that the team was a defensive nightmare this year because they were shipping goals left, right, and centre. They went from the best defensive record in all of MLS to the worst in the West and one of the worst in all of MLS. Actually, uh, second worst in the West because of how we did in that last game against Portland. Made yeah. Them okay. <laughs> I didn't look after that. Yeah. Then you point the fingers at the goal scoring as well, and it's like, oh, the goals weren't there. To, to rescue them from the poor defending. but the de- I think it's the, all defensive. <laughs> yeah, the attacking actually wasn't that bad. It wasn't. Like I, the, you look, I, that I feel it was, but when you look at it, they were, I think, the fourth you, highest scorers in the West. The, 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 if you look at, remember, I remember that one game against Toronto where it, it, it was Kakutamani and Hurtado just leading the attack and it was really good. So I, I, I don't have an issue with the scoring. I think the defense just fell apart from this year, especially early on. One, one comment I heard uh, from Matias Labo, obviously lots has been said about him and, you know, change of life, becoming a father, all that kind of stuff. And uh, I know I'm going to sound probably very biased in this comment, but uh, one, of the, one of the things I heard that he said early in the season was, I really miss having Gershon Kofi next to me in, in central midfield. And I think that, uh, yeah, all the players we played there, none of them are, except for maybe you could say Jacobson. Uh, Andrew closest of, like for like for sure. Yeah, yeah. N- none of the none of the guys we put there. Like Pedro ended up playing there a lot, and that's requiring Matias to cover a lot more ground. The the problem with Matias is it seems to me anyway. I've always been a proponent of making him the the lone holding midfielder. Yeah, I agree with you there. I I think I think that that might not be the greatest idea after last season, just because uh, Gersh never went too far from where he, you know, so Matias is a, he is an absolute, um, bulldog and he will chase every ball down and every player and he makes life so difficult for the opponents. But because of that, he has a tendency to drift away from his spot in front of the back, you know, the back, your center backs. And that's where Gersh would generally be hanging out. Um, so yeah, when you played, when you played fit, exactly, Pedro was a fit for that. So you put Pedro in there, and and suddenly, um, you know, the last man back is is kind of floating around the mid, the middle of the park um, because Matias is taken off somewhere. So I, I agree that that was a big loss. That's part of that transition that I think that they were kind of moving towards, and it clearly didn't work out. I think one other thing is that that hinders Matias and, and people's perspe- perception is the, the the DP tag that he still care like still carries and that's an unfortunate to me it's an unfortunate thing that it's like something uh, those uh, involved in the money making decisions that are you know at our club they they hide like he should not be a DP and well, so and so they, they keep him as a DP when really he should be bought it, down and a prop that's uh, the thing especially with the the the, the targeted allocation money totally. and stuff like that. It's he, made for he, him. He is the perfect player that you could pay down to a non t, non DP salary to open up a DP slot. But they don't want to open up. The but team. they hide behind it. Yeah. yeah they they don't so clearly, it. like I, I I know I know this is a bit of tinfoil hat thing, but clearly 
the the club has decided no 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 we don't want to go out and, and get another DP player where Matias is fine. Um, I suppose that to some degree you can then you can use your target allocation money to go after a player like Tachera or Bolaños and buy them down because I, I know there was some rumor that Bolaños might have been you know brought in oh, with some. We'll never know. Funny it'll, be, it'll always be rumors. Tachera, well, Tachera is Tachera's salary is what it is because of his. Trent, the transfer fee is on his top right. of his but a, but a, So Tachira's not making the three fifty or whatever it is. Right, but there was a, a apparently some of that had to had to be bought down to that amount so that he wasn't a DP because of the cost of the mm. salary. I'm not I'm again I, this I is all heard that. this is all smoke and mirrors and we'll never know the truth of it, which is really disappointing. Hashtag transparency. <laughs> yeah. But don't worry, uh, Don Garber and the State of the Union, he said they're 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 concerned about transparency and they're working on it still. still I think they just keep playing the just... same clip every year yeah. at MLS Cup of him saying we're working on transparency. And then what was it? A couple of days later they announced a whole bunch more targeted allocation money coming out to all the clubs, so great like status quo yeah. from the Don. It's so simple. Just, just have it. Just straight up. This is how much his fee is. This is how much. It, it helps. You know what? It'll help the players too. The well, then that's well, why that's, they don't want to do it. That's why they don't want to do it. But it'll, <laughs> yeah, it'll because help. then the money goes to the players rather than. No, it's not that. Just that. It's just people won't won't assign blame to certain players, not knowing that yeah. that money is not actually going all to them. It's part of the transfer fee, and so. But it, here's the thing. Even oh, is being paid this much. He's not being paid. That even much. what you see on those, aside from what we talked about, the Even what you see on that players' union release is not accurate. Right. No, it's not. You've had owners, Merritt Paulson, publicly say the numbers on that thing are not what we're paying that guy. We are paying him more. No, those are so, like, or less. Those are no. He he came out and said we're paying that guy more than what the, the union general representations is, of is poor. of what of what the players get paid. They're not actually accurate by any means. One hundred percent. So um, let's get to the big topic of what happened last year and possibly the biggest turning point, and that was the final game in the Voyagers Cup. Hugely disappointing. Zach has a story about how he was standing behind the bench and what he saw there. But Jay, first to you, like watching it from afar, was that probably the one of the more devastating things that happened in your not only following the Whitecaps but following any team almost? Uh, yeah. I mean, and I guess that's part of what makes cup competitions and and uh, such an exciting thing for for spectators, but. You know, when you're on the losing side of that, it was a gut punch like I've, I've never felt before. Um, and it was almost surreal at first. Like, when it went in, I was like, hold on a second. Like, so did we just lose the Voyager's Cup? And, like, you look up and there's no time and there's no... Like, it, it was uh, it was astounding. And it really does speak to what kind of season we had. But, yeah, it was... Um, that sure was, as a, as a fan, that one was a real tough one to take. Zach, your yeah, it was, references was it was awful. Um, I was uh, I was with Daniel Squizzato and uh, Dominic Martin from the CSA, and we were there, uh, yeah, down literally like behind the the bench uh, to be a part of the presentation for for the Voyagers Cup, depending on who won. And you could like the players were just like like so ex- our, our bench was like so excited, like you could just see the joy in their eyes like you could just like feel it and some of them were like whooping it up a little bit on the sideline and turning to the crowd and encouraging them to keep on getting behind them in the final few moments and then like you could literally like see like their hearts like some of them their hearts break um the moment uh that will johnson's the moment that 
uh, you know, our back. There was no a lack of communication in our in our in our in our back line, and Will Johnson struck that ball and it went in, and it was. Um, yeah, it was devastating. And that's what made it worse to like Will Johnson of all people. You want to do what to Will Johnson? <sighs> like, no, I totally agree with you because it was mostly because of him. If it was somebody else, maybe we would have been able. To it would have still been bad, but and you almost couldn't like I. It's normally when when the White Cops lose, if you ship a goal right before the end, even in a big game, like you're almost mad, like you're you're pissed off about what happened. I couldn't even be mad at the time. It was just so disappointing and. So, yeah, and without a doubt, I mean, how, how going forward, how could you blame how could you blame the players f- for having that moment? Because if we thought it was bad, can you imagine the players who were on the pitch? Oh, and they didn't recover either. If we want to so go, go past that. No, but okay, but the, the, the specific play of the goal though is a very simple football play. And, and again, I, I, it's going to sound like I'm getting on on David Oste here and and again, I greatly Appreciate David Osted, but that play is the keeper's to call. Yeah. If the keeper doesn't call it, the defender's got to play it. Yeah. From what I understand, there was no call. Yeah. And so if you're if you're talk about what happened on that play, yeah. that comes down to a lack of. I wonder if he relaxed too much, thinking he was over it, didn't expect. But it almost like doesn't matter whose fault it was or or what happened. We're kind of lucky it was David because he's earned a mistake here and there. He's been so good for our club for so long. It sucks that that was the time that it had to happen, but you—it's almost hard to blame them for for that taking such an emotional toll on them following that that um, that play because it sure did look like after that point, you know, the heart was ripped out of that club for for a good stretch of time, and they never well, did recover. for the rest of the season. They never recovered. They only the... had three league wins for the rest of the year, and that that game happened in end of June, June 29th. Three wins in MLS for the rest of the season. That's like seventeen out of seventeen games. You're not going to be able to make the playoffs. No, do that. Yeah, Steve, you don't. You don't remind us. We were all there. Huh? Yeah, I know. And, I, but and the thing is, I think I think people didn't. Uh, it didn't hit people as hard because I just realized it too. Like I didn't really look at the schedule because I was going, oh god, another loss. But it didn't really hit because you had those Concacaf wins. Yeah. Um, and, and they swept that those wins, so that kind of yeah. they, that kind of lessened the blow where yeah. you, people didn't realize well, yeah, how bad I, they were. I asked Robo a question at one point at training about the poor run of form and no wins and whatever, and it confused him because he was thinking of the Concacaf wins, and it's like, well, we've won some games. What are you talking about? And I wasn't counting those because I was just looking at MLS. So it was a very bizarre conversation. I mean, Zach mentioned like the players and how it must have been gotten to them. Christian Bellani talked about it in a couple of podcasts yeah. ago when he said to him that was when the season changed. The confidence went of the team. And I agree, Usted's allowed an error here and there because he saved so many points. But, I mean, like what Jay said as well, it's, it's a gut punch. I've The only thing I can equate it to, and even that wasn't as bad, was there was a cup game, East Fife in the 90s. They were playing a premier team. They were two divisions below them. They were winning 1-0, but they wasted so much time. And this was before you had boards telling you how much time. So we were in the 97th minute, and the game's still going on, and then Dundee United scored this equaliser because of just another defensive cock-up. And the stadium that had been loud as hell, like BC plays for this, just, you could have hit a pin drop. But you had United fans there celebrating. But 
BC Place went so quiet that night, and I've just never yeah. experienced anything like and it, that. It, you know, like even normally when they ship a goal at the end, you hear fans going like, "Oh, this is yeah. crap, you idiots!" You hear people like angry about it. Yeah, that nobody was even angry. It was just like utter silence. I've if never. You, if you look at Tom's photos as well, like there's a series of photos, and it's like there's a couple of kids behind, and they're this isn't good for the radio, but they're kind of like. And it's like their mice just getting bigger and bigger, yeah. and it's like their hands it was like a, a shock. He took like and, three, yeah. four shots in a, within a second, right, or I, something like that. I, yeah. I, I, being down on the field, uh, I, when we were setting up, we knew where the post game stuff was going to happen, and like some of our banners were behind it. And so, like the first, as soon as I got over, like over the shock, I was just like, I got to take down our, our banners. Can't be behind. Can't be oh. the background for this, this stuff. So I just went and started taking stuff down and like tearing down for the day. It was terrible. It's one of those games that. When you lose a game like that, the season can go one of two ways. It can either be the biggest kick up the ass you're going to get because you're like, I don't want to feel like that ever again. I want to go and go on a big run. But for the Whitecats, they just seem to sap everything out of them, at least in league form. And there was no coming back from it. You look at what happened after, and like you said, Steve, it's like they hardly won any MLS games. They did do well in CONCACAF. Winning the Cascadia Cup as well was great because, as you said, it ended Portland's season and that's always great when, when you end a rival season. Is there any part of you sitting here today that feels, you know, it wasn't that bad a season with a qualification to the quarterfinals of the Champions League and a Cascadian Cup? Whereas you could have had a playoff game where it was like one and done. So you you might not have had the Cascadia Cup, you might not have had the quarterfinal, you might have made it into the playoffs in fifth or sixth spot, and then lost your game. Now, I, I for me, I probably would have at this point said it would have been fine, but now that Seattle won, which we haven't mentioned yet, but yeah. Seattle won the MLS Cup, that kind of you takes should, all the goodwill away. You shouldn't be talking about. I that. know, but I have, but that's part of my conversation. It takes kind of. I, I wasn't too disappointed by the season. But them winning it, like Portland winning last year, that's kind of like, kind of like just. But hopefully it. it puts pressure on. That's the well, only the only good thing for me that yeah. can come. But if it, if it puts too much pressure on, that could be a negative. No, thing. not on the not on the players. No, the no, players I'm, have, I'm talking about yeah. on the organization. No, it, it's if it's, they spend it, like on really crappy player players. That that's well, that's not gonna that's no. not gonna be allowed to happen. But yeah. like to me, it puts the right kind of pressure on. I, I like, agree. Like yeah. you have been talking from the very beginning. Oh, our atmosphere, our stadium is going to be as great as Seattle. And oh, we came in with Portland, and we're doing this as good as them. And look what every I hate, I hate, I really hate when when all of the people when the people from who speak from our front office, all they do is try and compare us to other people or talk about what other people are saying about us. But now that the Seattle Portland won, they they don't want any comparisons now, yeah, right? Exactly, <laughs> they won't be wanting it now. Well, if you think about it, in the last two years, really, so you've had you've had. You've had Portland uh, won the MLS Cup last year. Seattle won the MLS Cup this year. With Toronto in the final having a good year. And Montreal uh, getting to the final of the uh, the CONCACAF Champions League. You Not only that they had a actually really good year this year. And what I think it was a very positive playoff run against uh, in an epic um, two-game series there with, with Toronto. 
it has not been a worse time to be Bob Leonard Doozy because now, like, the pressure is squarely on the shoulder of the club to say there are no, there is no more, you know, there is no more excuses. There's no more betting in period. There's no more. You guys have to go out now, and you you must. And I'm not saying spend money. I I I, yeah. I actually, to some degree, I don't I don't want to be Toronto. I don't want to be Seattle or L.A. I like that they're they're trying to be savvy and smart about their purchases and they're trying to do a development structure, but you have to be smart about it. And right now they're far from clever. Now's the time that it's 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 time that they they speak up because um, not speak up then act and I and I don't and I yeah I don't mean that with actual words. I mean they have to go and put their money where their mouth is and actually. Uh, have a couple uh, some some positive things happen this year, and, and get get the players that will fit the team and be able to enhance the other players that are on the roster. Yeah, get them get the develop younger players up, yeah. keep, give them up, and be just positive for everybody. So uh, they just need to get the right players and not necessarily the highest paid. Yeah, I I, I agree. I, but in terms of the, the spending, like. Uh, yeah, some of the people who are calling for spending are calling for ridiculous amount of spending. Yeah, no. But the the spending has to be intelligent. Yeah, yeah but it has to be. We, there has to be. It, we have to be spending more wisely, and but we do have to spend. I think more than we're currently willing to spend. Yeah. But that's an. I'm not saying yeah. like crazy numbers. No, and and where I think I'm not even if they don't want to spend it on salary, like if they but. Things like the charter flights that they, the Whitecaps never seem yeah. to even take advantage well, of. Don't, their don't get me started. So, like, they're cheaping out in certain areas when it comes to stuff that doesn't go on your salary that could seriously contribute to, yeah. to, to, to positive scouting. results. Well, they don't yeah. do enough scouting. The, the traveling my opinion. killed Pedro. It's like, I know it's difficult for all guys, but when you've got a back problem, going on and off airplanes constantly, like? and, uh, it's not easy. But, I mean, like, that kind of stuff killed him. So, so, I mean, some charter flights thrown in would really, really have helped him. Because they could have taken charters to every CONCACAF game. Yeah. Every Voyager's Cup game if they wanted. And uh, I think it's three or four is the maximum for league games. Yeah. Is it five now? I've heard five. Well, it used to be that, three. That, I heard it moved to four. That could have gotten the Florida trips, a couple okay. of Eastern trips. We, yeah. the, the Whitecaps logged the most miles of any club in the MLS. Yep. You have to assume that the and I know they're bloody expensive. They're probably about what twenty or thirty grand. Uh, but you, you know, but you know what they do? They do the exact opposite thing. They, some of the some of the biggest store, some of the biggest um, trips that they've had, where it's kind of hard not to imagine that charter flights maybe weren't requested. Mm-hmm. We've gotten results in some of those games, and they're and they, so they say, oh, you, we didn't need to spend the money. We still got the result in that game. Yeah, yeah. you know, like like. It's 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 so frustrating and yeah. so and, and mind-boggling. Well, talking of money brings me on to my next point. Money is becoming more and more of an important factor, really, in MLS. They, they talk about parity, but when you look at the the final four, if you want to look at it that way, the, the two conference finalists, Toronto, massive spending. Seattle. Seattle, big spending as well. Montreal brought in a big player, Drogba. They spent some money, and Colorado kind of weren't. But, but, but no, but they brought in Tim Howard and Jones, yeah. and Jones, and that other guy that uh, Gashi. Gashi, that's it. But and when you have an MLS Cup and it's Seattle against Toronto, it does so much to debunk the the front office at the Whitecaps saying, "Look, we're holding up Dallas and Colorado and teams like that as our model for going forward." 
the because they, they didn't get very far. Dallas won the support shield. Yeah. But is it becoming more and more that you're going to have to spend money in this league to get this success? If no. you're not going to spend huge amounts of money, you have to spend the right money. Well, that's, that's just it. It's not about it's not about spending five, six, seven million dollars on a player for salary or getting ten million dollar uh, transfer, transfer fees or anything. Listen, that last year Dallas was the youngest team in the league, and they won the Supporters Shield, which is harder to do than winning the MLS Cup. Like you're you're a better team if you win the Supporters Shield than you are if you won the MLS Cup. Look at Seattle. They were the bottom of the league in the beginning of June or something. They were something either tied, like tied for last or last Sig- in the league. Siggy got fired. Yeah. Right. So, um, you know, the, the, Dallas has shown that, that they ha- there, there is a way to be consistently, uh, consistently good and consistently challenge for the top of the league uh, and challenge in the playoffs. Um, without breaking the bank, they brought in smart players like Mauro Diaz. Despite his brittle knees, yeah. he's one of the most one of the most brilliant number tens in the league. They brought through their academy and they they brought into their academy quality players. They've given them opportunity. They've surrounded them with with good players to support that uh, youth movement there, and they've been rewarded for it. And they they are they are a model of what. You know, of a of a quality MLS side on the pitch, and the, and they haven't also blocked pathways it, it, exactly. Whether it's Castillo or they've even sold right. players out of their academy, right? Um, and I think that's and I think Bobby would be right to point to them uh, and say, look, there's a way for us to do this. Um, however, you actually have to then go out and do it, yeah. and, and that's where the Whitecaps have have, have kind of struck out. You you'll get a few years where I I will back them up a hundred percent and say take some time for your academy to really produce some quality players that are MLS ready and put them in a position. Well, we're about at that time now where you can't use an excuse of oh well we've you know we just joined the MLS and I know that the academy went years before that. They could say that there was a transition period. But we're now five full years in. Uh, Not for the academy. Six, six now, yeah, yeah, six, for, yeah. since that for the MLS, um, they need to put up or shut up with with this development program. Whether that be selling players on or bringing them in and, and actually giving them and saying, "This is your you're going to get two thousand minutes this year," so like get ready for it. And I hope that that'll happen this year with a guy like Alfonso who technically qualifies as an academy player although we we sort of you know scooped him last year uh yeah, as well as we, did, we didn't produce him no he, he wasn't produced by the white caps um, well you think he's the, at what age he still has time to produce like you have time well that's the him. thing is that when well, they brought him in they brought him in to produce him yeah. and he just he he every step he came he dominated yeah. at, at every place exceeded expectations and towards the end of the season he was the most productive member of our of our team he was the Attacking best player on yeah. the on the on the pitch so um, I mean, if he doesn't get two thousand minutes this this year, I, I would be disappointed. Well, the point, the thing is, there you got. He just, I agree, I understand you're saying two thousand minutes. I don't think he needs to get exactly two thousand minutes, but he does need to get significant minutes. Whether it's as a sub coming off in Concacaf in Voyagers Cup, he just they need to play, and they need to play him in the right positions. That's one thing I want to say. I want I want to use an example of Marco Bustos, who is a number ten. 
100%. by tree. Yeah. But whenever he gets into the lineup, they seem to always want to put him on the wing. Whether they want to protect him by putting yeah, him out but, wide. But or, by protecting yeah. him, they actually make him look a lot worse because he's not used to playing out there. But I did ask Marco that a couple of podcasts ago, and he said that he has to... I think it was in a podcast. It might have been for a written piece. But he said that he knows that he has to basically learn every midfield position. If he wants to get on in the game, yeah. he's not always going to play that number 10 role. But it's only the, one number 10. Yeah, I understand that. But the protection, you like you were saying, protecting him is not working. It's actually mm-hmm. making him look worse. Maybe he needs more time practicing on that weak well, side. Or, well, Busos, because when he plays the WFC 2, he's in the middle. Busso specifically, he, yeah, he needs he needs playing time. Yeah, He needs playing time at, yeah, maybe very midfield positions, but especially behind a striker or two. Uh, Joe, in terms of, you're talking about, you know, you, the, some of the things you guys are talking about here comes down to identity. I think it was really concerning uh, for me when, uh, I guess it was Mark Weber did the article with uh, 26% owner there, Jeff Mallett, and Jeff Mallett was like, oh. yeah, people don't know who we are. People don't, and it was like, you had this guy saying this, like, it, how can you say that players coming into the club don't know who, who, who they, like, that's a... That's a who's responsible for that? Yeah. Where's the falling down? Do you even know who you really are? Well, because you keep on comparing yourself to we we like if you count all the teams we we are our club, uh, those entrusted to be stewards of our club have compared us to. It's got to be what like half a dozen to a dozen clubs around the world that they've compared us to in the past, as opposed to saying this is just who we are. And in terms of the, the residency, there like where's the accountability for that? Like it like how much how many years and how much money has been spent. And what has it what has it produced? And I don't say that to be harsh towards those players that come out of there because I love I love those players. Like mm-hmm. they feel like you know like we've seen them grow up as people and as yeah. players, and we're, we're passionate about seeing them develop and, and, and have opportunities and all that kind of stuff. So, but where's the accountability for what's that's, what that has produced for the first team? You know, like th- there's so many things that are poorly communicated that aren't like like the, the vision of our the, the like the vision of our our club to me is too tied up around not losing money and and not around footballing matters well and and that's i think a bit of an issue that it if you are always winning um it, it almost doesn't matter you can like you can say well who cares what our 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 image our vision is we're champions all the time. That's what our yeah. vision is. Yeah, like look at Man United when the Glazers took over. Some fans left the FC United, but the rest stuck because they were winning. Right. So they could get away with stuff. So, and I think that that's important now when, you know, we've had a down year. Robinson and I think the the whole club is it has enough leeway. They have been getting better over the last couple of years on the, on the pitch. When they go away, you remember the Rennie years, especially the even the year they got into the playoffs. It was like when they went on the road, man, it was all hands on deck, just try and eke out a nil nil, and it was hoping for a result. The back that we did, right? Yeah. It, it, even last year, we had a, we had a terrible season, and at any point of any game, did we go out in a in a real negative manner? There, there. Robinson has changed the culture of the club uh, and in how we're perceived around footballing circles in the league and the um, I think he has enough leeway to have the rest of this season but if things don't go well there's there's going to be a price to pay and it it, it will likely be Robinson yeah. it may happen be other people as well 
but but that's the main question that you get back to, Zach, is what is the vision of this club? What is the identity of this club? Because they've said that they want to be, you know, this, this they want to invest, and they have. They've invested amazingly. And they've set up this network of all these different academy centers across yeah. all of Canada. Even if it's just like a sponsorship deal or something like that, the fact is is that they're putting their tentacles out into yeah. all these different they're, places. They're, they're casting them out wide. Right. But all, all the academies follow a set... Right, plan. So everyone's on the same playbook. And Zach, you can't you can't just brush away the fact that they've spent millions and millions and millions of dollars into into the academy. What I do agree with is that then that has to translate into something yeah. because it's not translating into something. Yeah. If you're, but, but, you but also, who's who's but accountable you, for the lack well, of results? Yeah, I, agree. But who, I agree. But I think also, you have to say, are the players good enough? Well, that's, that's, that's the ultimate thing. It's that's like, you look at some of the guys that have been signed to homegrown and moved on. Bryce Alderson, what's he doing now? Philip Davis, what's he doing? Okay, yes, I, I don't no, disagree. I, but Michael, Michael, isn't part of that, they dominated at age levels. So isn't the job, right. shouldn't our, 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 as a club, shouldn't our job be to make sure that they can take that well, into he, being a so professional? You can't, you can't always do that because some people peak at You can't always do that, but we virtually have never done but, that. But, but, but Michael, how many years have have uh, FC Dallas been, we have been yeah. nose to nose with them at U16 and U18 yeah. levels for five years now. And they continue to bring up players who yeah. either contribute a little bit or a lot, or they sell them yeah. on, or they move them. They sold Red the, Bulls as well. The Red Bulls as well have, have done the same thing. Yet the Whitecaps have failed to do that once. The yeah. closest we've gotten now is with Sam Atacubi. And, yeah. and perhaps he's making a move to um, uh, Brighton and Hove, is it? Yeah. Um, I mean... Well, there that, that one is basically... The, the, the thing that irks me about the Sam Atacubi thing is... I like Jordan Harvey. I think he's a fantastic fullback yeah. for MLS. But if they wanted Sam... To be in that position, they yeah. should have moved Jordan on. Agreed. And they should yeah. have made Sam sink or swing with yeah, him. Yeah, because they, they gave Jordan different... the chance to make the position his own. Yeah. And he took well, it. Yeah. Full credit to him. He and yeah, it. he took it. But there was one point where Sam looked like he was yeah. getting into that rhythm of going then in. he got an injury. He got injury and then Jordan came in. And once Jordan's playing well, you can't stick Sam. But if he had a yeah. different fullback, okay, so maybe the, a lesser fullback, so maybe that, easier to bring and, Sam back in. And is that not one of the areas we need to work at? Yeah. How do, when you're a young player, how do you mentally get over yeah. an injury? How do you mentally get over losing your position and still fighting for it and not expecting it's going to be there when you're when but you're back? I know from speaking to certain people within the organization, and I won't say who, there is a feeling that a number of the younger players in past years feel that they're due. They should, they're everything should have been Yeah, yeah, yeah this yeah, sense of entitlement thing. Yeah. yeah, okay, but that's not, I don't think that's been the case of all generations no, that have come out of the residency. but the new ones don't feel like that. The difference between the attitudes are chalk and cheese. Yeah, but I don't think you can, I, I personally don't think you can say that about all all the older generations of, of the residency either. No, maybe not some all. individual players, That's, perhaps yeah, some, but not, but not, not the, not on the whole. I wouldn't say. Well, that I think, there. I think the thing is the the majority of players that we expect to be those players that make it to MLS have that attitude. That's the problem. The players that don't have the attitude are the ones that aren't. aren't we're not expecting anything but, from. But but then you, you then so look at the residency. We got rid of Thomas Neindorf over over some things that were not to do with developing players. And 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 a change that they made that they didn't wouldn't even really publicly acknowledge. They got rid of Thomas Grushelton when 
I think he was probably encouraging them to do things probably a little bit different. Like, Richard. Sorry, Richard. Did I say Rob? Thomas. Tom, okay. Thomas Neindorf and Richard uh, Richard Gruschel. Two, like, quality, like, standout people who have been known for developing players. They got rid of them, uh, especially Richard, I don't think for good good reasons. Like, Richard, uh, yeah, uh, yeah I, I can't speak to yeah. exactly let, specifically. Let's not go for that. Yeah. Moving forward, especially like, the young guys. As long as we don't bring up a Land Rose chat, that's fine. We, we've lost Alan Koch. He's away to FC Cincinnati. How big uh, an impact do you think that is going to have? We don't know who the replacement is yet. I'm hoping it might be Rich Fagan because he's done well with the 18s and I feel he deserves his chance. But they may feel that that's too big a step for him right now. But how, what kind of impact do you see that having on the WFC2 side for producing these guys for it, next year? It's going to be all depending on who they bring in 100%. it's hard it's hard it's hard it's hard to judge right now like if they if they like i know you said bring rich Fagan up what if they bring gordon forrest down and put him in yeah spot, i thought about and that then he gets well. he, maybe he wants some coaching experience head coaching experience well, Gord, well, well gordon level. is is i mean this is just speculation gordon's been acting as the li- the, the link yeah right? link. because he so, was the residency guy yeah. did a good job got promoted he's the one guy we did keep which is kind of nice to see for a change uh so i don't know if I don't know how those all relationships work and whatever. That's well, because he's uh, Scottish. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, but I don't know if that's a good thing that to then to lose him as that link to the first team. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, he enjoys that role as well. The, the big question is going to be what type of coach you put in there. In that, if you bring in your your ex U eighteen coach, he's probably going to be a guy with an eye to development, yeah. and and his interest will be bringing these kids through. I don't care if we don't you know finish first in our division. We're gonna try and 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 develop these players and and build with the club. Whereas if you brought in an outside coach, uh, and and I know that Alan Koch fought with this back, you know, um, he's he, while he's seen as a development type of coach, um, you know, I think if you had asked him, he wanted to win as well. Like he yeah. was very much where so. The club is going to have it, have an interesting decision here, and I think that will gauge how the club wants the USL team, um, what direction they're going to go in. Whether it's going to be with an eye for developing players for the future for the for the first team, or if it's going to be no, this is going to be our farm team where our guys go down to get their injuries rehabbed, and when Eric Hurtado doesn't play. He's gonna come down and uh, you know stretch his legs in the in our next USL game, and, and that's those are two very different USL sides. I don't think there's been any names mentioned either so far, uh, other than the Rich Fagan you yeah. were talking about. Uh, like Nick Dasovich might be an option. Well, I'm pretty too. sure Pete Shadow put they'll, his they'll, name. Out yeah, there. there'll be plenty of names out there like that. They'll put Mark, a Dasso name. Yeah, maybe Mark Watson, Watson, or sorry, Mark Watson. If he what would be wrong with Dasso or Watson? No, nothing. But it's just it's like the old boys networks. Sometimes it feels like. Whereas you maybe need some new blood with new ideas. The way to look at it is if you put in an ambitious coach, he's going to want to win and get on. If you do promote an under-18 coach, then as Jay says, he's focused on development. And he's you've got to work in an environment where Robo's basically going to tell you what to do. Yeah. He's going to say to you, I want these players played. You have to play them for this long. And you, you have to play like and this. You've got you to give, it, you gotta give them an extended period to show that, forget the wins and losses yeah. then. Forget the amount of people coming to buy tickets and everything. You're not concerned anything about that. You just want to see the development. I'll give yeah, them a five-year window. Yeah, as soon as you start see, charging money. I know. 
things change. Oh, I know that. But you you can't be concerned. The team camp organization can't no. be concerned about money. If anybody wants to come, they can come. That's great. That's a bonus. <laughs> but we're here to develop. That's basically how it's working. Just yeah. Well, so we're here to develop. If we win the win games, great. If we lose games, great. We want to see that five-year window of those players coming in, like a Kane and Chung, and seeing where they are by their yeah. 22. Okay, so looking at the Whitecaps roster as it stands when we're recording this, which is actually being recorded on Sunday, December 18th. 26 signed Whitecaps players, including Sam, who's away on loan. So technically 25, 25 on the roster. If Robo wants to bring in two designated players, another second striker, um, if he wants to bring in any other backups, if he wants right to back. promote... Yeah, another right back. If he wants to promote Spencer Ritchie, Kyle Gregg, those kind of players... Obviously, some players need to move on. The 25 guys that we've got just now are not going to be on the roster come first kick. Who would you move on? Who would you trade? And what would you want in return? Well, I think we've already... We talked about... Yeah, Giles Barnes is going to be the first guy gone, I would think. And I think he's either... He'd have to buy his salary down hugely or he has to be a DP. Or he goes to to Europe and... uh, Oh, you mean mean if he stays? Yeah, if if he he stays. stays. Okay. Well, another team might want to do the same thing. Uh, if he goes to Europe, then that's going to be all transfer money, basically, coming yep. back. You're not going to get anything else but that. I don't think they have draft, draft picks in Are we going to get a transfer fee from, or is it Bolton? Blackburn. 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 Blackburn? Yeah. I don't... I don't... Well, well you, you're going to get something. You're not yeah, going to get a you, huge amount. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. yeah. They pay money. They, they, everybody pays money. Even if it's, it's 150000 or something like they, that, they'll, they'll, which they'll is get nothing something, to yeah. them. Yeah. I'd dangle him in front of China or something. Yeah. They seem to be paying crazy money <laughs> yeah. with what Oscar's getting. I think that's what Carl was talking about Robbie Keane. Yeah, I, th- I yeah, think he was. Be, yeah. yeah, he must have had a, a lucrative deal to go to China. Or he's going with Ian Hume. Yeah, he's basically welcome to Vancouver if he wants to go to China. Another guy, in when, especially when he said Kyle Gray, although he's thinking of bringing him in, you know, they signed Hurtado to a two-year contract. That doesn't mean they can't trade him. No. They basically yeah. that that yeah, signing anyway. that signing could be a way to give another team to show that this guy is signed for this yeah. x amount yeah, of money. He's valuable. He's valuable now because that, he's 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 you're you're getting yeah. a, a fixed income. Same you with Timmy Parker. About. Yeah, because they gave him a better deal. Uh, I, and it would it would break my heart because I, I I've already said how much I I, I love Tim Parker. Um, I thought you see your I I really think that. Um, he, Parker could be the odd man out, and I don't and see Parker moved. moving. Yeah. No, I don't see Parker moving because of the Edgar situation and the um, uh, the question marks about Dean. Yeah, F- fair enough. Uh, if so I, right I, away, I don't see that. That's if, good point. Especially if his if the the car accident, the yeah. the knee problem is lengthy. If it's just a month long and he just has some training setbacks, I think you know. I don't think Tim Parker is going to get a lot of playing time, and I could see him being traded. Because um, I think his value within the league is extremely high. Yeah, and a US internationalist now as well. That's it. So, that's just I mean, yeah. Whether he's he's worth that right now or not, I don't know. But that carries weight with what, US teams. Speaking of strikers, uh, back, going back to them, uh, how about Kudo? Kudo you've been talking about Barnes. How about Kudo? Kudo, maybe he decides to just mute, they mutually end their contract or something. I don't think they're going to get anything for him at all. No, not within the league. No, no, no. He's on way too high a ticket. And I don't think anybody from Japan is going to be paying uh, transfer fee for him, especially with the 
lack of yeah. season he had. You could just say he's not settled, family issues. And they, they, you, you, back, you mutually break a contract that nobody owes yeah. anybody anything, so maybe they do that. It, it, the, the other possibility, and, I, and I've mentioned this on previous podcasts, I think, and where I think that where they aired with Camilo is the second that he had such a, you know, a subsequent fantastic seasons, you walk up to him with a blank check and say, hey man, we're ripping up your contract, we're doubling your yeah, salary you again, what do you want, what, like what do you want? The same thing should be done in reverse, and and they should be able to walk up to Kudo and say, you know, we'd love to keep you around, but you're on a real big ticket. We need to bring in another striker. We want to play him with you. Uh, we still want to give you lots of, but no. can you take a, a seventy-five thousand dollar pay cut and bring it down but, to a little bit more? But Kudo has every number. reason to say no, and I and I've he, always he a does. Player, I would and say no to. They yeah. could use the amnesty deal and cut his contract yeah. completely, uh-huh. and he could be gone. Uh, he'd be paid for it, but yeah. he would be off the books and he'd be yeah. looking for or work again. Or could just say to him, hey, look, we're going to trade you to Philadelphia or something. You've got no say in it. Right. Because that's how it works. Right. Yeah. And he's like, I don't want to go to Philadelphia. Yeah. So it's like, well, just let's mutually terminate your deal. I, I actually do think that, that Kudo is going to improve this year. And I think he would be he's the perfect type of player to play beside a, uh, you know... A, a bigger striker? Actually, ironically, I think a Spindola would have worked well with yeah. him. Yeah. Um, before a Spindola left. Um, he was a great signing. He like, was, he, a, yeah. He did no wrong. I no. can't find fault with him. Um, yeah. For, uh, I think... Four other players. Uh, you talk about who, how we're gonna make room on the roster. Uh, three of the the residency grads. Uh, ben McKendry was loaned last year to WFC two. Yeah. And does that happen to him again? I, th- I think he's ready to take the next step. I think he could be ready to come in and play full regularly. Uh, Robo really rates him. Yeah. He's what, also injured. Is that just from previous USL experience? Because I, I think well, sometimes players just have to be put in that position. I think he has. The tools to do it is just a matter of him putting it together. The, the thing that he has going for him is there's not exactly anyone above him on the Whitecaps club right now. Yeah. Uh, aside from Lava. Jacobson. Jacobs, but is Jacobson think, the answer? I, can, I don't I think, think he, he is could be, either. I, I think McKendry could be natural, be, better natural fit than Tiber. At uh, this absolutely, point. yeah. So you, And then you have uh, Kian Froze, who we, was sort of like he went on trial or whatever in uh, last year he's another option for a player to be moved and then Marco Bustos is he blown out or yeah or again could be to WFC too but you got Tiber too he would they picked up his option but that doesn't mean the they, trade is not all yeah. I, I, I think based on that call I think that, that well he mentioned a lot of players there I wouldn't say like, yeah it's to me like Bustos isn't going anywhere unless he leaves the club uh, on a sale because he's not playing there's no point loaning him to WFC two because or then he, he could can't be loaned somewhere else. Play. He could be loaned somewhere else though for to I, get playing time. He he's aiming to be a game day eighteen player. That's his goal. Yeah. This off season, he told me he's going to work really hard, and that's what he wants to do. Become that. Ben McKendry is a tough one because he's only twenty three, but that's getting on a bit yeah. without having two seasons now, no MLS starts. But Injuries I think, played a big part in that. But I think I think but, I think there's a chance for him, depending on how preseason goes, that he could be in the mix, not for a starting spot, yeah. but to get into the 18 or get it close to the 18. So the other person who is in that same position as Ben McKendry, who we haven't talked about yet, would be a current. Is he technically currently on loan? Davey Flores. 
No, I think he's, he's done. I think no, he's on loan. I think. Officially. Yeah, but I, I, believe, I, don't, I don't think he's coming. I back. believe one of the hiccups was that one of his uh, his loan was toward till the end of December. Right. So they couldn't. They can't terminate a player or or who is technically still on your books because he's on yes. loan to somewhere else. Yes. So but, January. So once the loan, once it the loan matures and he comes back into the pos- the possession of uh, the Whitecaps. They can then terminate his contract, or, or do you think they're going to terminate the contract? Did we pay money for him? No, not much. I think we signed him, and the reason they wanted to sign him is they thought he had a good resale value. Yeah, so I, they could keep him. I, I don't remember know. being a transfer involved. So no, I don't think there was a transfer. They think he's going to develop into a top player, and they'll make money out of it. You've also got a couple of players like Teixeira. If he doesn't start performing, they could get rid of him. They could yeah. trade him. Kikuta Mani, if he has a great start to the season. Come the summer, he's got his US citizenship now. There's nothing keeping him here. Chelsea, Man United, Arsenal, they're all kind of looking at him right yeah, I'm, now. I'm probably thinking Blackpool, well, AFC, Wimbledon. <laughs> no, he would do well. He, the, isn't he starting for Liverpool this season? I, see, every time I hear that name, I just think, like, what must it be like for Kakuta hearing that? And yeah. you just think, that could be me yeah. that they're going, Maddie! <laughs> I, I could actually even see, uh, I mean, we, we, even within the league, I think Kakuta has a huge value. Um, but here's the problem. You, you can't. Be, uh, you, no. you can't. I would never trade it within the league. It's either I, you're I wouldn't. I wouldn't. In, refle- in reflecting on our season, this is... You know, Unless Alfonso Davies really picks it up. Well, something we'll talk in more depth mm-hmm. than maybe another podcast. That is also one of the huge moments of our season. Losing Kakuda. Yeah. Because losing Kakuda meant we lost our biggest pace threat. Yeah. Our, our, our most likely person who, to get behind defenses. And our best We're, dribbler of the ball. And yeah. one of our he, most consistent. If he comes and, back. So, and so you lost him. And that's why Eric Hurtado played as much as he did. Because we needed someone with some kind of pace to, to be a threat. In my and you opinion, know what, that's why. And you know what? He could be, uh, uh, if he comes back healthy, he could be the biggest accusation, accusation yeah. of next year. The, the trading him, that would be ballsy. Because oh, the uproar would be massive. Yeah, yeah. You, can't, you can't trade him anymore. Yes and no, because I, I think there's been, I, I think there's been a lot, and maybe this is just s- surrounding the, you know, the hardcore supporters, but there's been a lot of people who've been very critical of Kakuda yeah, in recent years. I have been at times. Well, we, we, yeah. There have been so, times when you can still see the potential in him. And, that's and it's why frustrating I because yeah. you know what he can do. I, I actually read, it might have been on the Southsiders forum, I can't remember now, or, that or Reddit, someone was saying about, they said Kakuta Mani can't finish at all, and it's like, well, that's slightly over the top. I think he was thinking during Madden. He is struggling sometimes one-on-one. He does his little thing, yeah. and if the defender reads it, he's got nothing else. Yeah. And he's spoken to me before that he knows he needs to be more than a one-trick pony, but he just doesn't seem to be doing it. And then he struggled last year, or the season just passed. Then he got dropped with the whole weird thing that happened in LA, whatever that was. Then he came back and then got injured the very next game. But he was so up for it, that game. Maybe too up for it, which is... Well, so the thing is, as long as he comes back from, because the last two off seasons he's been got, he's either coming off an injury or from yeah. the previous season, Which is or why he got injured sell, in the preseason. If he's healthy in the summer, sell him, because he like Dean, you've worried about his injuries. McKendry, you're worried about his injuries. Manny, I'm worried about his injuries. It's yeah, but, like get but, what you can. But Manny, like there was like concern, like from the preseason, he wasn't fit. Like yeah. he he. Yeah, he, felt, he was brought back too early. Yeah, he was brought, and he in felt he felt like he was not in the best condition to be 
giving 100%. He still went out and did a job, but I don't think, if you asked him, and that's, you know, that's, he's no doctor, but I, I don't think he felt his best. And yeah. even in the performances he had at the beginning of the season last year. I think if he is truly fit, has a full preseason, gets in, you know, match day shape and is ready ready to go, I think he could Well, be... he's now going to be going to the U.S. squad in January, that... which is a bit of a worry for yes. me. Yes. Have we had any players who got injured with the U.S. squad before? Yeah, Omar Salgado. Oh, yeah. Christian Dean. Yeah. Jude Mere. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> So that is a worry. Thank you, America. You've also got the Canadian squad is having a thing in January as well. Is the, it Bermuda? The campfire or something. Yeah, and Kumbaya. I, d- I just I don't Kumbaya. like January camps right at the start of pre-season training. It just it upsets everything, especially because we're going over to the UK. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so these guys may be missing out. Upsetting me because <laughs> I won't get to talk to them when I'm over there. But yeah, I, just, I don't know. It just doesn't seem right to me. Um, so those are those are some players. So those players could move on. No, so that, okay, that so let's, let's talk about positions that we see filling in. Um, uh, for me, the, I, I see four spots that they need to fill. They need to get in, bring in two strikers, the number one and two, if they decide to move on Barnes and Kudo. And then I see the number ten is obvious, and then the backup right back. Yeah. So I see four well, players that they, they, really the minimum any... they need to bring in. Other than the Richies and the Gregs and stuff like that, first bottom. You know, I, we didn't talk about this before, but Cole Siler could just be the backup right back. Yeah, I still he, bring in a right back. Yeah. I still he's, want to bring not, in a right back. I'm tired of, of you know, oh, let's get him to center back who's athletic. Let's put him at right back. No, he athletic center back. Let's use him as center back. I I also think maybe even the one of the the most important things for the Whitecaps to do this year uh, is to get a. Uh, and if it was me, I would probably spend DP money on a midfielder box to box to go beside uh, Matias Lava, or in in my dreams where we play a five three two and you have Lava as a sole holding midfielder and w- more of a Atiba Hutchinson type. And I, yeah. I don't I, I, and I don't think that that's the right. If I'm if I'm Leonard Doozy, I'm on the phone with him right now because the I mean personally. The the situation in in Turkey yeah. is deteriorating greatly. Maybe now he's about to re- he's he has one contract left and he's going to retire. Yeah. And he's still playing probably the best football of his career. Give me some Atiba. Uh, bring Atiba home. Much he likes the turf, a, yeah, that's that's which, the thing which at that age. I know, and I don't and I don't normally like bringing in guys that are that age. But he he is such a quality it, it, one of the best, if not the best player Canada has ever produced. No. Playing at, at the top of his career right now, yeah. and would be the perfect player to sit beside a guy like uh, like like Lava. He can go forward. He's smart defensively. He's physical. And the thing is, I just want to mention: I, I have no problem with Lava being the sole holding midfielder. Mm-hmm. They just need to pitch, like put a stake in the ground. Yeah, you can go tie, get a change twenty to yards, it, twenty direction. yards, and just <laughs> like, yeah. let him stay in that area. Yeah, Lava. Yeah, because sometimes he just starts roaming and he's so and well, you so saw, many. So I know we're looking looking to the future, but so many of last year's goals were in that area where Lava should have been yeah. in, and he could have broken up. Something. Well, you look, you look at, you look at uh, what was it? Was it the year? I don't know if it was the league game. Or was the the year we lost to Montreal in goal difference? Your we away goals, we just equalized or something. Pedro had been dropped back to play next to Matias, and it was late in the game. And there was I don't know if it was a throw in on the side or Matias got sucked to the side or was a counter attack. Yeah, sucked to the side, and there was this ginormous hole right in the middle. Yeah, where 
Pedro should have been or Gersh at that time normally would have been or whatever. And they just played the ball into that hole in a one-two and, 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 and that's the scored problem. a winner. Or and that's what, the problem. Was, or whatever it was. However, I think he's, he's been trained to having a partner. Yeah, yeah. And and his best ability is his ability to track down danger. Yeah. So he tracks down the danger man, the danger player, the ball as it's squirting loose. And at risk of, of opening up a gap behind him that he, I think has been used to having someone to fill in beside him, whether yeah. it be Gershon or Russell Tybert or I think Jake Christick might be the guy maybe to stick with him. If they're gonna play he could be. I, I just would hope that we could do do better. That's I, yeah. I think that's the one spot. Dynamic. That's the, yeah. the one spot where we really missed this year. Um, in And I think one of the reasons why we didn't do as well is because we really had a, an inept midfield for most of the season. Yeah, personally, I have, I have a number of friends who feel the same way. Uh, personally, I like we, me and Michael have discussed it, um, whether it was on the podcast or off the podcast. I personally would just, I wouldn't mind getting rid of Lava completely and bringing in somebody else different, somebody that can be the dynamic yeah. box to box or holding midfielder, somebody that can be a Pedro Morales and a Lava together. Next year is a big year for Lava, I think. Yeah, because if he if he has another poor season, then He's maybe not what we thought he was. At one point, we're talking about, oh, he's going to end up playing in Europe or whatever. Not in last season's form. No, no. And well, he, which player that we've talked about playing in Europe? Is, yeah. And even at his best, Nigel Rio Coker was giving everybody tickets to Europe. And even at his best, Laba is is limited in enough that I don't know if any of the big leagues necessarily yeah. will. Maybe maybe a, a Switzerland or a or a you know. Oh, Düsseldorf. Düsseldorf is interesting. Yeah, if you believe all that. Just before we wrap up here, why don't I just go back to something which Jay mentioned uh, a few minutes ago. Robo and his management team obviously got contract extensions before the end of the season, another four years, taking them up to 2020. A lot of people saw that as quite strange because of the season the Whitecaps had. It was reward, though, for what had gone before. Built into that, though, you want to keep hold of a guy in case he does do well and then somebody tries to... To sign him and take him, you're going to get money for him. But then you look at Seattle. If you hear heavy panting, it, it's not just that. The Sorry, Steven I'm just Zach. so excited talking about this. <laughs> Stephen Zach's been doing some exercise. Um, yeah, we've got predict to put. Everybody knows so, that's yeah. fake. That's a lie, obviously. <laughs> Going back to like, look at Seattle. They got rid of Schmidt, who at one point you thought would maybe have been untouchable, although folk were always mumbling a little bit about him. But if the Whitecaps have another bad start to the season, there is going to be an element that say, look, make the change, get rid of Robo, bring in some new blood, you'll do what Seattle did last year. How how do you think he gets the whole season? Uh, I, no I, I do think he'll get the whole season. It all depending on, like you said, they the, got the extension. How many of those are options? Yeah, it's probably two the, and two. Like Two else. and two. Yeah. So and I know the Vancouver, like we all said, that the, the they don't want to spend money. They definitely don't want to spend money on a coach that's sitting somewhere else, and no. they got to hire another coach. So I do. I definitely see him getting a full season, and plus Tommy Someone's not looking to get a hood. <laughs> so I'm okay there. Um, but I, so I, I definitely see that. But it all depends. Like I said, the options. Like if you say it's two and two, or is it one 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 or something like that? Well, that that all depends on what what how the contract itself is structured. I agree. He's, he's going to get the whole year, uh, I, I think, unless something real catastrophic happens. And, and so he should. And I, I, I've said this before. Um, he changed the culture around the club. Now, it's a, it, you know, the players uh, ex- are treated 
in, in a way that's acceptable in society, uh, unlike previous iterations of our how our club treated their the players. We are we are a competent team uh, in the league uh, and seen as such for, uh, around the league, whereas we were a laughing stock for uh, you know a couple of years, both on results and just in in performance. Literally, the culture around the the club has been improved since he's been here. He, so he he deserves a chance. He's had, he had a bad year. He uh, is still learning, and he has made a lot of mistakes over the last year. And I think he he you know he will probably continue to make some mistakes. But as, as long as he so. can, as long as he can move on from those and show that he can learn uh, to to adapt a bit tactically and and to, and to change per, maybe some personality traits around his. How he acts to the to the officials. If he can identify those things and improve, then he he's going to be a, you know a fantastic coach for a lot lot more years. Yeah, I think he's going to get the, the whole season. I'd be shocked. I think Steve makes a good point of that they're not going to want to buy buy him out, especially unless something like you said is catastrophic, Jay. Uh, so I would I'd expect to see him here for the, all of next year. The only the only thing I'll, I'll say to that is that. One of the one of the reasons that uh, it concerns me is that if he is shipped out, who will be brought in to replace him? And I don't just mean that from what coaches are available. I mean, any, do we? It will be any coaches. It'll be just whoever the assistant is well, at that time. Well, do we trust uh, the, the the front office to making a correct decision for the next head coach? And, and right now, I trust Robinson a whole heck of a lot more than I trust the front office to get those types of, of decisions correct. Yeah, I agree. I, I think he'll get the whole season at least. If it goes horrible, then obviously there'll be talk after that. If it starts off really bad, though, the knives will be out from some section of the support and some of the media, and that could turn the pressure up a little bit. But we've got a lot to look forward to for the season to come. Can't be any worse than 2016. Actually, 2017 as a whole year can't be much worse than, than 2016, so the Whitecaps season fit in pretty nicely with that. There'll be new signings coming, we're going to have some podcasts coming thick and fast, our first radio show on CITR Radio will be coming up pretty soon as well, so listen out for that. So just before we go, let everyone know where they can find you online. So Steve? You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. And I can be found on Twitter at at J-A-Y underscore Duke. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Zachary AM, and the movement I'm a part of is called Curva Collective. And how about your Instagram? You could be found somewhere there too, right? At Curva Collective. And I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read our stuff away from the numbers on AFTN.ca. Most of the Whitecaps beat reporter for MLSsoccer.com and Goal.com. So watch out for my stuff on there. So, lot to look forward to this new year. Hope you had a great festive season and didn't partake too much on Hogmanay there. So what better way to, to start the year off than with a Whitecaps podcast? And let's just hope we've got lots more exciting stuff to talk about in the season to come. So until next time, thanks for listening. Take care and mon the Caps! Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.